Hello and welcome to The Haunted. I'm Freddie Young, heiress to the Lambert and Butler fortune. Fags? Yeah. Is that all you could think of? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Fags? Yeah, because I thought about that as I was unwrapping my box of fags. Not that I smoke Lambert and Butler, but I thought Lambert and Butler is one that everyone will know. Well, that's a really weird fucking thing to say, but I'll go with it. Who are you? Uh, I'm Vanessa Mitchell, um, former owner of one of the world's most haunted houses. I'd say the world because it's such an amazingly famous story and a true story. Yeah, that's just me. That's witch just me. Woman. The witch woman of St. Osef. Yeah. You are a bit strange, aren't you? Well, I was born like it. I was born seeing and hearing. I had no choice, really. So, yeah, I am a bit strange. And I think... Perfectly normal in other ways. I think that in time, I think in the next maybe month or so, we'll be able to do a really good episode and maybe speak about some of... Yeah, your yeah. life and past experiences and things like that. We'll have a little Q and A with Vanessa Mitchell. It's something we haven't been able to do before because of something else, but we're going to be able to talk about it very soon, and we are going to. Da 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 da. So um, this week, let's start with any updates. Oh, update for me. I'm a daddy now. With me and Jake have rescued. Um, a British bulldog called Binky. She's she's lovely. We was just been chatting about dogs yeah. and stuff, haven't we? Yeah. Um, I'll post a picture on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and whatever else. Not so, that anyone's going to be asked. Oh, she's a sweetie pie. I'm not a dog. I love. I'm. I'm not. I'm not gooey and slushy on dogs. I'm just not that person. No, but it's not and that you're not an animal person. You're more of a wildlife. No, I see. I love birds now. Yeah. Get get birds flying around. I couldn't love anything more than a bird. Uh, I, I I actually I'm going to be a parent again. I'm getting two male budgies. Are you? Yeah. Oh, but they'll I'm fly really around the house. I'm excited they, for that. Yeah. Um, they'll be, be ready be the, to come home in about two weeks. But they'll fly around the house. They won't be in a cage. In their cage, they can eat and drink. But when I had budgies before, they flew around the house. I'd never ever ever keep a bird in a cage under any circumstances on the planet. Um, but they're very tame, very friendly, so they'll just come and sit on your shoulder. And... I'm really excited about that because yeah, I, I, I really love birds and I'd like to keep birds, but I'm a clean freak, aren't I? So I yeah, you would, I, but yeah, I couldn't have them flying around like that. I'd have. Them, I know but they that's do not little very... poos, but then but... if you clear them up, but they're only little tiny poos. But I'd rather do that than keep them in a cage. Yeah, and that's and that's why I won't keep birds yeah. because I, think, I I agree with you. I don't think yeah. it's fair. I think, you know, it's a bird. They need to be able to stretch their wings yeah. and have a fly about and, and whatever. Oh, I'm excited about that. What are you going to call them? Right, well, I'm going to call them Ezekiel and Malachim. Ezekiel... Oh, fuck. Can't you call it something simple? No, because they're they're going to be beautiful birds. Right, so and one um, can we can call Zeke. What's the other one? Yeah, Malachim. Now, Ezekiel was the prophet that wrote about all the angels in the Bible. You know, the angels with the six or seven faces yeah. and all the eyes. That was Ezekiel that wrote that. Um, uh, no, sorry, that was... um. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the that was Ezekiel who wrote that in the Bible. And Malachim are the type of angels that turn into human form. So... Malachim. Um, Malachim. What could, Malachi, I should call that one. Yeah, so Malachi is obviously um, a, a, another name. Zeke and, Zeke and Mali. Yeah. Woo! But I'm going to call them by their correct title because they're going to be I'm not, very beautiful. Tame. I'll be funky, funky Uncle Fred. Yeah. Um, oh, <laughs> I can bring them treats and we can have yeah. nice, Oh, I'm really excited. And they're so tame. And they, my last one I had, he used to sit on my shoulder and pick the mascara off my eyelashes. And if I sat there with a plate of dinner, he'd sit on the side of my plate and have what he wanted. And then if I used to go out of the house, in fact, the last one was a female. Um, it would fly up in my hair. Didn't like me going out the house. I'd say, Sky, I'm going out. She'd roar through the bungalow, flying as far, and she'd go in my hair like that. And I lived on a farm at the time. And I'd say, come on, Sky, I'll take you out for a walk. She used to sit on my shoulder. I'd walk all the way around the farm. She never got off my shoulder. If she got scared, though, she'd hide herself right in my hair. And I remember one time something scared her and she flew off. And then she flew straight back round and straight back on my shoulder and hid in my hair again. But she had such a personality, you wouldn't believe. Birds do. Yeah. Birds That's do. They're so intelligent. Birds are amazing. They were more obedient than a bloody dog. Oh, uh, with the right training. Yeah. Birds, birds are amazing. But well, they're I, the only animal that can speak uh, English language. I like to have something you can have a little cuddle with. 
Have a little cuddle up, have a little curl up on the sofa. Yeah, I know so one could, I know it could, you know, it can come and sit with you, but yeah. I, I just like to feel a bit like feel the affection and feel the love. Yeah. And I, and I'll be honest, uh, she's she's a pretty mean looking thing, is old Binky. And since our break in, I'm quite glad that we've got her, because Jake took her for a walk the other day, and the people opposite was like staring. And I said to Jake, yeah. I'll make sure you tell him it'll bite their fucking hand off. Yeah. Why don't you get one of those, like, dog collars with spikes all around yeah. it? Like, spike, <laughs> yeah. This is a killer. Oh, no. Bless her heart. She, we, we rescued, she's, she's an old girl. I say old, she's four. But she come from a bit of a fucking, like, puppy meal. Yeah, she's been bred to death, isn't she? Yeah, yeah she's so she, to... she's never had any love. So she's super appreciative. Um, although she was laying down early on the sofa with me and her bum was next to my head and literally she did the biggest fart and I jumped, I've never moved so quick. <laughs> oh, 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 you dirty bitch. Um, but anyway, that's a little update. Uh, no update on the lion. All is calm, all Good. is well. Yeah. And I thought I was keen to see what would the dog do. Yeah. The dog hasn't reacted to it. It's not barking at it, but you know what she does? If I take her down... Yeah. Because uh, it's been nice weather, and I'll sit on the decking and whatever, and have a little drink and and sit down there. She will just sit in the corner of the decking, and just sit and stare at it. She just stares at it. Yeah, just focuses. But but, on but it. it's but it's like mindless, and you can go, Binky, Binky girl, you're all right. And just bogging at it just the whole it, yeah. time. So I don't know that if that's uh, if that's a sign of anything. She she is quite vacant a lot of the time. I will be honest, but um, <laughs> don't know. There's lots of things to look at in the garden. I think it's weird that she chooses Focuses to on that. Yeah. to sit mm. and stare at that one. But she doesn't. But she's not a very reactive dog. You know, I yeah. don't think I've heard a bark yet. Mm. So um, time will tell. Again, yeah. if anyone wants to buy a haunted lion, just let me know. I'll yeah, do. But you I'll said do a good last deal. episode you're going to keep it. Yeah, but I need some money. You don't. I need some bloody money. You're all right for money. No, to be fair. Yeah, to be fair, I am all right for money because um, something's happened. I will let you all know. Well, you can say the basics. You don't have to give any details. You are allowed to say that you did a da-da. Oh, okay. Well, listen. No, I'm not going to say anything. Why? Not until the money's in the bank. Then I'll tell you. Well, you might as well, because they're going to sit on TV anyway. Yeah, that's fine. Listen, I'm going to be on the TV soon. I've done something. He's done something that's won him some money. Use your imagination. You No, you're not allowed to tell him that I won. I've made it oh. very clear. and all. But listen, I'm not going to tell you what. I'm not going to tell you when. You've got to wait and see. Yeah. But it's all good. All is well. Anyway, we've rambled on enough uh, updates for the week. So... This week's episode, I am going in with Haunted Hollywood, part dos. I really enjoyed the first one that you we did. You said the first one, we got a lot yeah, of the, listeners. That the, was one of our most successful podcasts, wasn't it? The first um, Haunted Hollywood episode that we did was one of our biggest yeah. hits. And I thought, well, listen, if the people like it, I'll give the people what they want. Yeah. So we're back again with some famous locations. As always, I'll give you a little bit of history, a little bit of background on said location, and then talk a little bit about some of the experiences and some of the activity that goes on there. Can I just say something? I've just realised something. Go. By the way, um, when we're talking about the budget flower in my house, I don't have carpets in my house. Oh, yeah, no, she doesn't have carpets. This house is all beams and all wooden floors. There are no carpets. And I'm just saying people are thinking, oh, scraping bird shit off the... No. <laughs> this house is all completely... There isn't a carpet in this house apart from the upstairs two bedrooms and the birds won't be going up there. So, yeah. So, I don't think, think oh, look at her, the messer, with bird shit trying to scrape out the carpet. It'll be like something like a budgie... be like a bloody Avery cage. Uh, no, so I just thought I'd add that in. And my, and my sofa's leather. And again, bird poo won't go on it. So I'm all right. Yeah, no, it's not. I don't know why I feel the need to explain that. It just pops in my head. <laughs> I don't want people yeah. thinking I'm I a dirty bitch. I won't go around there with all the bird shit everywhere. So we are going to start Haunted uh, Hollywood with, I think, maybe one of the most famous locations from this area. It's been like there's every TV show on Ghost have, have done a special here, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and that is the Comedy Store. Very famous location. Very, very it's on famous. so many paranormal shows, isn't it? Oh, yeah, loads shows. and loads and loads. 
Um, I'd love to say that I'd give you some like big hitters that I can remember or really good episodes from it, but I think everyone's done done it. I think again, Zach, when yeah, they think, investigate, yeah. they do a good job. Um, but I think that just springs to mind because, of course, oh, I think old Zach Baggins got engaged the other day. Oh, did he? Oh, congratulations, Zach! If you're listening, congratulations, babe. Zach! Remember <laughs> us? Do you know us? He, he go give us a, a fuck. Little, give us give us a little shout out. He don't care. But don't yes, care. no. But yeah, they, they've done um, an episode there. If I listen, I watched I watched it a long time ago. I assume it was pretty good. But anyway, comedy store. If you are a, a fan of the well, paranormal, that, no, you probably it? would know. But Zach will pleasure. know about the cage because the spin-off show, um, Help My House is Haunted, when it first came out, which they came to the cage, Zach Baggins, that was his show, although he didn't do it directly, so oh. he would have heard the cage. So indirectly, you do know Zach Baggins. Yeah, and you know the show that, that um, the fellow that used to work with Zach and then he did his own show where they stay for like three days and three nights, I can't remember what it was called. They wanted to come and film in the cage, but I was always already filming with someone else so I, I, I couldn't let them come because I, I was under contract with someone else. And I can't remember the fella's name now. It's him and a girl. They stay for three days and three nights in a very, again, no, massive I've got, I've shows. Got, if I, I if, probably, I, if, if you told me the name, I'll probably watch the away. whole thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they would know. Well, there you go. Yeah. Listeners. Okay. Indirectly, you are only one degree of separation away from Zach Baggins merely by listening. Have it. Have it. So I'm going to give you a background of the comedy store because it's it's an interesting location for the gangsters and A-list celebrities and all sorts of Hollywood debauchery. Mm. We so, love debauchery. <clears throat> the comedy store as we know it was opened in April 1972 and the 70s is a little highlight for me well i was born in 1972 my favorite decade uh, so this opened yeah just before your birth yeah yeah all right I've, i was waiting for you to say yes oh fantastic <laughs> i'm just and trying just... to work out what month but i was born in november so yeah it probably was before yeah, yeah no because it was april i was right. april oh, we didn't say that. april 1972 and that was opened by uh comedians sammy shaw and rudy de luca now rudy de luca i've heard of yeah. Sammy Shaw, I haven't. Mm. So um, we've heard of Sandy Shaw. I wonder if one day that you say that you care. She won the first ever Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah, so you know all your music. There you go. Um, the building was formerly the home of Club Seville, in so that was kind of like a thirties um, yeah. place. Uh, later, it was known as oh, I did Google how to say this. Uh, Chiros, Chiros. Ciro's, Ciro's. Not a clue. Ciro's I'm going with. And this was, um, that was between 1940 and 1957. So it was, a re it was like the big, big Hollywood nightclub. Um, it was owned originally by a man called William Wilkinson, although people knew him as Billy. Later on, it was later known as Le Disque and it was a rock and roll venue. Then it became kaleidoscope and then it become the boss and then obviously then it become the comedy store as, as we know right. it so it's a building that has had uh, lots of life lots of different variations of life it's all but it's always lots been of characters lots, lots of, of energy yes. lots of crazy shit i should imagine in hollywood back in the oh, day yeah, that, My this God, place imagine. this place has seen it all yeah so um billy wilkinson the man who started um, the club was a, a real entrepreneur during Hollywood's golden age. And actually, the next location that I give you is connected to him as well. So he's uh, he's a big swinging dick in Hollywood. But he was a bit of a bit of a bad boy, bit of a criminal. Mm. And he was involved in all kinds of things. So Ooh, a lot of them were back in the day. He was a native of Tennessee and he was in a speakeasy business in new york city during prohibition yeah so you know he, he he weren't doing good things although i'd say supplying people bathtub gin is a good thing i'd say it's a good thing i'd bloody say it's hell. a good thing you can't get by without a bloody power to the people uh but obviously so he he started his um his business in in new york but made his way down to tinseltown yeah where he really made it big so 
He founded the Hollywood Reporter in 1930, and the Hollywood Reporter offices is our next location. So bear this in mind, put a pin in it. Um, so that's the, the Hollywood Reporter is a really famous kind of newspaper gossip rag right. kind of thing. So after he'd opened that, he's, he turned his attention to nightlife in the City of Angels. Oh, I love that, The City of Angels. There's lots of money in it. I love the movie, The City of Angels, more to the point. Now tell me, what happens in that? Have I seen it? He, um, he's an angel, and Meg Ryan is a surgeon, and she begins to think all that we're doing, trying to save these people's lives, um, she has a sense one day when she's operating on someone that an angel comes to take the soul. And she just has a sense and she starts questioning it. It's like, why am I doing this if it's not down to me anyway? Why have I trained? Why am I trying to say it? It's if it's foretold, if it's meant to be. Is it a film or is it a TV no, thing? No, it's and then a movie. That, then doesn't the angel come and he's a fucking great big thing? No. Bloody hell. I can't believe you haven't seen that movie. Okay, we'll have to watch it and we'll review it. We'll it's, review. A, it's, it's a, You know, it's quite old now, but it's a most thought-provoking, amazing, because she's a surgeon. Anyway, oh, so what happens is, just briefly... He falls, he falls desperately in love with her. What, they the find angel? a way to communicate, yeah. I'm not going to say any more because actually was read it, but honestly, please, watch this movie because it really, it really gives you insight. It's a real thinker. It's a real thinker. You know, I believe our day is set in the subject. So if I'm on the surgeon's so table... It, so this explores that? Yeah, it? and it explores her as a surgeon. All her life, she's dedicated to try and save people's lives. And she realised, hold on a minute, if it's not in my hands, what the fuck am I doing? Well, I suppose it's also a little bit of narrative of science versus yeah, religion is. and things like that. Oh, okay, that sounds quite really interesting. I think I have seen it. I think I have. Because I think it's something Nan really loved. Well, you would remember What was it, the, She liked what dreams will come, what... No, that's my favourite movie. No, but Nan what, likes, that oh, was Nan's yeah. favourite. What Dreams May Come. That's it. Uh, Robin Williams, my all-time favourite movie ever. Again, it's about heaven, it's about... But that's, that was her, that, yeah, that was her favourite film. That's my... Oh, really? That's yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, that's my favourite movie of all time. Anyway, we digress. I'll yeah. give you... Uh, As usual. So, obviously, yeah. So, uh, Billy Wilkinson, big swinging dick, had a big business in New York City, prohibition, speakeasies and all that kind of thing. Comes to New York, uh, New York, leaves New York, comes to LA, Tinseltown, opens up a big um, newspaper for the time, but then decides to open up a few joints around town and enter into the nightlife. So the most famous of these was the nightclub. See, called... they called those places in America, didn't they? Joints, open yeah. the joints. We know a joint is 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 spliff. a spliff. We call or them is, a, is, is a spliff even American? Would they know what a spliff is? I don't know. But I know we call them joints and spliff. Wacky backy. Yeah. Doobie. A doobie. I think Americans... Big fat doobie. Yeah, call them doobies. Anyway. Yeah, yeah so that's a... Listen, for our American listeners, a joint... Yeah, is um a spliff. A spliff. Or a cannabis what? cigarette, if we're going to be. Yeah. yeah. Roll a joint. Roll a joint. Don't bogart that joint. My friend, well, that's an American song, so the Americans must call it joints. All oh, right, there you go then. Pass it over to me. So when you say don't bogart that Pass joint. Pass the dodgy bundle. No. <laughs> you shut up. Listen, so if they say don't bogart that joint, it means come on, pass it over. Don't, don't, don't bogart it. it. Don't knock it out. Yeah, pass it over. You know, a bit of uh, drug culture <laughs> in the mildest form ever. Um, anyway, yes, so he opened he opened a big nightclub, the most famous. So he's at, he's got a couple of places, but his his biggest one is. Oh, I'm so disappointed in myself that I can't remember how to pronounce the place. I swear it's Chiros, Ciros, Ciros, Chiros. Well, how do you spell it? Just spell it out. C i r o s. I'm gonna Google it oh, very God, so... quick. Yeah, but it... as long as you got the spelling. Are you ready? This is what I use. Chiro, yeah, I was Chiro, right. Chiro, right. because obviously it's Italian. So he opened um, Chiro's in 1940 because he wanted a place where the stars would come out to play. And his thought behind this was it'd help him gain access to the celebrities in a more relaxed environment. Yes, of So then all of these papers would get all the juicy gossip and all yeah. the scoops. So that was his idea. idea. Very good idea. I'd like to do that. So would I. I'd love to. If I had the money, I'd open one tomorrow. Do you know what my dream... If I won the lottery, do you know what I would do? Right. I'd open a nightclub. Yeah. That's that's my dream. Yeah. I want a nightclub. 
would it be a normal nightclub or would it be a themed nightclub it, no, or it, a gay nightclub? It wouldn't what be would a be? nightclub, it would be a disco, discotheque. Oh, discotheque, proper, sexolex. Yeah, proper. I'd have a swimming pool in the middle. It would be... It would be completely 80s it, discotheque, 70s No, 70s, 70s. 70s. And it would be a Studio 54-esque. Anything goes, bring your horse in, like, do what you like. Right, okay. Let's have a lovely time and let's just live the best life. Have it. Anyway, I digress. If I won the lottery, I'd um, pay to go and to, to meet Liam and Noel Gallagher, of course. Anyway, carry on. Carry on. So, one of the features of Chiro's that Wilkinson had fitted was a place where the gangsters and starlets would rub elbows, but he also included a little secret room, and this was mainly used for gambling, uh, but I think that there were some other business going on yeah. he added the secret gambling Mafioso, room so are we talking it is he added the secret gambling room at the behest of john handsome johnny roselli and he was a, a member of the the chicago syndicate and that was a they were a big mafia figure in and yeah. around um hollywood wise and guys oh, wise guys why, why are you what a wise guy <laughs> um anyway also, the quite legendary uh, blue-eyed mobster Bugsy Siegel. Oh, I've heard, oh, everyone's heard of him. Bloody hell, he's well famous. Was, yeah. was a friend, fan and future business partner of Wilkinson's. And he also uh, frequented Chiro's when he wasn't in jail. To yes, the point that when he was awaiting trial for murder in 1941, he refused to eat the jail food and had the club deliver all of this food to Naturally. the cell. Naturally. Naturally. I'm not eating your shit. Go to Chiro's yeah. and get me something get decent. That's the business. So, but by 1942, Wilkerson grew bored, they say. I don't know if he grew bored or maybe got a bit scared. I was about to say, was he threatened? Did it, did it come on top a little bit where he thought, oh, this is this is a bit out of the way for me? Like, hang on a minute, I'm getting in a bit deep Yeah, bit. yeah. Uh, you know. Because you know what the mafia, they take over any business if they want to. And then you've got no control anyway. Um, yeah, so the popular outlets say he grew bored. I know he's got lots of different business ventures, but, you know, this was so hugely successful. Would you walk away from that? No, not in S. It came on top and somebody wanted a slice of your pie and you couldn't fight them. And so very quickly. No so he's opened it in 1940. Mm. 1942, things are getting a bit, bit well, iffy. So iffy. Two years, yeah. But, but, but he'd done it and he um, went and done a new scheme and he opened a, a casino in Vegas. Well, that's going from the frying pan to the fucking fire. <laughs> if you're Correct. talking about mafia, I'm pretty Lord sure. Have mercy. I'm pretty sure it's the flamingo or something. Yeah, well, it was, that was probably funded by the mafia in the first place. Correct. As all in Las Vegas was back in the day. It ain't cheap. It ain't cheap to run a casino. Ain't cheap. I've so, been to several times to Las Vegas, my favourite place on the planet. And it and if apart from meeting Liam and Noel, if I won the lottery, I'd be straight on. Oh, the I keep saying, to Vegas Jake, tonight. I want to get married in Vegas. Yeah, you've never been, have you? No. I, yeah. But Jake says no because he knows what I'm like. I'm terrible, and I would literally, I'd be that person standing in the airport just in my pants with one shoe on, no plane ticket home, no suitcase. I've gambled the whole <laughs> lot away, and I'm just standing there crying. Dribbling, going, dribbling, and crying. Help me! They've taken everything. Um, yeah, that would be me. So um, anyway, he Wilkinson was notorious for burning down uh, businesses and claiming on the insurance money and a suspicious fire did break out uh, it only partially um, affected the club but it it gave him enough money that he was able to go off and do what he wanted to do um wilkinson did sell uh chiros to his longtime right hand man herman hoover what a name Herman Hoover, what do you reckon of that, Vanessa? Herman Hoover? Well. What a name. But that's, uh, his, but that's, his, that's his right hand man, that's his bodyguard. I might start calling you Herman Hoover. Actually, you look like a Herman. I might start calling you Herman Hoover. Is that because I'm fat and partially bald? Yeah. Thank you. Move on. But under Herman's rule, essentially, he made Giro's one of the most important Hollywood hotspots of that time mm. uh, and it stayed that way until the late 50s um 
Hoover was a bit of a realist and he was forced off to pay Mickey Cohen, who was gangster of the yeah. area, who run an extortion racket on the strip from his clothing shop, Michael's exclusive haberdashery. And that was at 8804 Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, mm. crazy. But he'd done that. He's thinking, listen, I know I can't run this place having to hand over fist, keep paying them every week. Yeah. So he, 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 you know, cut his losses and went, right, here's your money. Fuck off, leave me alone. Yeah. And they did. Oh. Okay. Well, I say they did. Dues paid, dues owed. Dues paid, dues owed. Um, because it was up until that point, every week, one of uh, Cohen's employees would bring over an empty, empty boxes from the haberdashery into the kitchen and... Full of cocaine? No, and then they just had to fill it with cash for him. Oh. Mm. That di that's not the end of um, mob business that would take place at the location. There Naturally. was There was a lot of unpleasantness that would go on especially downstairs in the basement of the establishment. Which is, again, a classic. Down the basement, the mob get you. So there are talks of... Um, tortures. Tortures, people being murdered, people being punished, and, you know, all, all the business, all the business you can imagine that the mobsters would be getting up to. Um... This was not exclusive to, but people who had um, gambling debts from yeah. from there, if they had romanced the wrong waitress or showgirl, or guilty or by... maybe done disrespect, yeah, or it, it, you talked know, at school, or yeah. Everything, We've watched enough movies. We all know, and listen, yeah, exactly, the movies ain't too far away yeah. from, from what actually goes on, so... Um, Lots of lots of wrongdoing happening in that basement and a lot of people suffering in that basement. And it was killing and torture. And when you have that, them events take place, that leaves a that leaves a print. Absolutely on that a location. energy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um even worse still I say even worse still, but you know, something even something just as wicked. It was there was an abortion clinic set up for the showgirls, prostitutes, oh, and girlfriends of the mobsters, yeah. but it wasn't done. No, of course we. You yeah. know, in in in. Say no in, more. No, it wasn't done professionally. It was done by a nurse who had some kind of skill, but it, you or know, a it, fella you had to pay X amount to, and thought you were. It was. It was a not. And bled to death. Yeah, it was not done in the correct way. It was not done hygienically, and if they didn't, you know, yeah bled to death, they die of infection, things like that. Yeah. Quite often these women weren't, they didn't have a choice. So if no. you was a showgirl there and you ended up pregnant, well, well no, listen, you're not going to look any good in yeah. four months' time in your feathers and, and whatever. Yeah. No, get yourself downstairs, girl. Yeah. Or if it was one of the mobsters. And that's happened throughout history and time in all our other podcasts. About hundreds of years ago, when you got pregnant, you either flung yourself off the bloody castle wall or topped yourself, you know, because there, there was no way out for women in those days. There, there just wasn't. It would have been poverty and death anyway. Correct. So these poor women um, were subjected to that. And, and what a horrific thing as well for them, that you know, to, to lose a yeah. baby is is such a, a big and huge thing. So their emotions and feelings are very much imprinted in that place as well. It is documented that one woman did die from an abortion there. There'd have been there'd, multiple. There'd have been multiple. But documented officially, I will say. nothing, that shit was never documented. There might be one, but that you know there would have been three, four hundred others that wasn't officially documented. It's So this this place has seen a lot of evil. And also, being a legal, a legal abortionist, he would have thought, oh shit, yeah, you know, get, get that under the pavement, you know. We better not record that. All oh, this woman's yeah, we don't, we don't want that. Anyway. We don't want that. Yeah. There'd have been hundreds. And unfortunately, the kind of ladies that maybe would use this service, nobody cared. Anyway. Nobody cared for. Unfortunately, um, yeah. So the place has seen a lot of wicked and a lot of evil. It's also seen a lot of really good times, mm. and it's made loads of people's careers. There's been celebrations there. People have had parties and festivities and it's been wonderful and glamorous and, and blinding. But, you know, underneath, the underneath, underneath their feet, the seedy underbelly yeah. 
of, of that of organised crime. Bad world. Organised crime is a bad, bad, horrific, horrific world, and actually, it happens around us more than we think. And actually, it really is truly, truly barbaric. And we'll never know. You'll never know because you're just the normal people. Normal people will never ever know, and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, fist fights were obviously a common occurrence at Giro's as well. Lots yeah. of festivities and lots of drinking often leads to lots of arguments and lots of fighting. Uh, one of the most famous fights that occurred was in 1947 when Frank Sinatra was arrested after assaulting a columnist. A columnist. A communist. No, a columnist. 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 A reporter. A journalist, yeah. <laughs> uh, because he had written some unfavourable things about him. I've never him. heard about Frank Sinatra practice. So that, that is definitely new information. There you me. go. Uh, so he, he whacked him one because the reporter had written a story about Sinatra leaving his wife and children for Lana Turner. And he whacked him one in the club. Well, a bit like um, our latest Hollywood Whacking. We ain't talking about that. Yeah. Fucking hell. We'll be here all day. But <laughs> so, so Sinatra paid $9,000 to get the tra- charges dropped. I also this know... This would have been a lot, a lot of, of money. money. I also know Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah. lost an eye here as well. Really? Yeah. Like, the shit that goes on in this place, honestly, you I was... You always think the stars like that are protected. But back then, they were just all in amongst each other. It's like mm. a Hollywood after party. Yeah. Every day of the week. Yeah. It wow. was it was a big deal. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of lots of things have happened in the place that we will never ever ever be privy to. Yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. But I'm going to give you a list of some people that maybe would frequent. Um, okay. Jira. So, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Humphrey Bogart. Oh. Frank Sinatra. Yeah. James Dean. Oh. Sidney Poitier. Yeah. Lucille Ball. Joan Crawford. Marlene Dietrichs. Uh, Ginger Rogers, Ronald Reagan, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, Cary Grant, Judy Garland, even JFK has been there. Yeah, this was the place to be. It was was rocking. Um, In times moving forward from Chiro, so when it was uh, turned into La Disque, Ike and Tina Turner performed uh, with Jimi Hendrix at the opening night. And are we still talking about the comedy club? Yeah. You see, because the thing is, every time you watch a show on this, I've never heard any of this information, not once. Not once. It's crazy. Now, I had to... Um, no, not this bit. No, this is the bit. Are you ready? Yeah. I had to add this in. So, Go. in 1974, the Comedy Store hosted the wedding receptions of the newlyweds Liza Minnelli. Oh, your favourite. And Jack Haley Jr., um, the Comedy Club signage was covered for the evening by signs that read Cheeros because they wanted it back to the old days. Yeah. Um, so everyone went. Elizabeth Taylor, Sammy Davis Jr., Sher, Bob Fosse, Johnny Carson, Goldie Horn, Priscilla, wow. Priscilla Presley. Like, everyone was there. It was... the. It was. Yeah, it was A-star. A-star. I'd love... That had been one party I'd like to go to. Yeah, God. Liza Minnelli's wedding reception at uh, the Comedy Store. element. I would have been. You probably would have upstaged her, though. You probably would have done a rendition of her song with a feather boa with all your... I'd have got the chair out. Yeah, you'd have done I'd have whole... done a little mine hair on stage. Good job you weren't there. You definitely would have upstaged Good job her. I wasn't there. Anyway, so that's a little bit about the Comedy Store's past. Or, so... It reopened as the Comedy Store in 1972. So, obviously, it was established way back when, and it's passed hand over the years. But in 1972, it became the the Comedy Store, and it had a 99-seat theatre. But um, because of a divorce settlement with Sammy Shaw's ex-wife, Mitzi Shaw, it began operating like properly and she was uh, she bought the building off of him in 1976 and she renovated the club um and it's got like a 450 seat main room it's got loads of little rooms off of it but right. like she she really expanded it yeah. and made it what it what it is so it's it's although it was established by these comedians it was the ex-wife of one of them that took right. it and run with it yeah as naturally women do yes as always so that is where it is now. The comedy <laughs> store is hugely successful from my understanding. I think it I think it really struggled. I don't think it be, was an instant success. I think there was a lot of nights that there was one fella in there 
and one comedian on the stage. Yeah, because and... places have their day, and then there's there's ups and downs, isn't there? There's everything? ups and downs. I think I think it's been a, a ebbs and flows. Ebbs and flows. I don't think it was an immediate success. I think that. Um, Mitzi's done an amazing job to make it what it is today, to keep it going for this long. Because fuck me, she's had it since the seventies, and it's it's still really, going. That's crazy, yeah. Um, Mitzi, if you're listening, um, Mitzi we'd like girly. to visit. Yeah, I'd like to go comedy store. Uh, oh, I mean, it's one of the places. It's one of the places, especially for the research and and what what we do. Yeah, God, put it on the, the top three locations. We should put it on the hit list. So. Yeah, it's by all accounts from because I read the reviews and stuff of places online on TripAdvisor and that people like it there. It's a good laugh. You can go, you can get something to eat, you can watch a show, you can watch loads of up and coming comedians. A good time is to be had there. You see, you do that. You see, I just kind of sit back and this information comes and goes. But you'll sit there and you'll research TripAdvisor, this, that. I mean, you do hours and hours of research for these shows. So basically, you don't miss a trick, do you? I mean, of course, you can't do 25 Listen, I could, hours, I could, I could, yeah, I could, I could do three episodes on just this location. So yeah. I've just taken the best bits. But yeah. it's got an absolutely fantastic history. And if you want to go and, and just be in the presence of stars, you know, to think, oh, Jesus, like at one time, you had the whole Rat Pack here, and Liza Minnelli, and Elizabeth Taylor, and James Dean walked through the door, and he had a piss in that urinal. Do you know what I mean? This go to this place. Do we have any ghost stories on it? Yeah, well, I'm going. I'm going in now. Yeah. Are you ready? I'm ready. Because here we go. We give so much detail sometimes. We um yeah. So go. So are you ready? So one night on his way out the back door. A comedian slash security guard, Blake Clark, heard banging on the piano in the belly room. So the belly room is a room that's kind of nestled in the middle mm. of the comedy store. Um, some of the waitresses had already reported odd occurrences in there. Pranks, kind of like playful behaviour. Uh, one of the young women would open the room, light candles, arrange the tables and leave. Five minutes later, she'd come back. Candles out, lights off, door locked. And when she'd returned to the key, she'd find the door open and the room all set up again. Well, yeah. Um, but obviously, Sir Clark's heard this, heard the piano going, so he's run upstairs, because it's on the second floor, to try and, and, and see what's going on. Um, and he was thinking that someone was locked in the room. As soon as he unlocked the door, the noise stopped. He turned on the light, there was nobody in the room. He checked all the corners, looked all around the room, Nobody there, he was happy. And there's no way out of that room either. There's mm. one door in, one door out. Um, so he locked it back up and as he turned to leave, he heard it again as someone deliberately banging on the keys of the piano. He's heard this numerous occasions. There was never anyone to be seen in the room. And he feels that it's just a playful spirit with a tin ear <laughs> trying to have a bit of a laugh. Um, on another occasion, um, Blake who is the security guard slash comedian, had made his final rounds in the last, uh, last in the large showroom. Um, he moved to lock up, but he stopped because a chair on one end of the stage began to slide all the way across to the other. He stood there and Watching he watched. It. Yeah. it it glided. He, it went three feet, 10 feet, 20 feet. And in a flash, he, he was just like, no, thank you, I'm off. I just fucking he ran out there and left it. So a chair, a chair, a chair moving. If it just moves a little bit, you can go all oh, right, whatever. Like maybe the maybe a draft or maybe it's on yeah, a slant. But to move yeah. from one end to the other. Listen, and uh, you could be the toughest security in the world, but you can't fight a ghost. Correct. So obviously he bailed. And I think you know, this one is probably the thing that would shit me up the most. So again, locking up one night. He went to the rear of the stage and turned off the light and just checked everything was all right. And when he went back out into the main room, he found 40 chairs pulled in the centre of the stage on top of each other. Yeah, see, that's that, that's just like crazy stuff. No, thank you. It's a no that's from me. That's a lot of energy. And I believe it's complete, completely believe it's possible. But yeah, it's like really, yeah, that's, that's some serious energy there. Yeah. Um, another comedian who worked there as well as a doorman called Joey Gaynor, um, around 3am 
was planning to leave when he noticed that two candles was lit on the table. We blew him out and started walking away. And when he just turned around to do a final scan, he noticed that the candles were lit again. So he blew him out again, but then again, they lit back up again. Um, on another night, he was shutting off the lights in the building and that he again, he found several chairs piled on top of each other. And he knows that nobody could have come in and done that in, in the amount of time that again, he had his back to. similar to what and happened before, yeah. Yep. So, obviously, uh, Blake and Joey know each other and they worked with each other. So, they was both working this night. Um, and they must have obviously spoken to each other about what's been happening. And Joey decided to antagonise what was there. Mm. And just said, like, oh, you think you're big, whatever. Like, come on in, show yeah, yourself. Do, in, you, yeah. do your worst. And an ashtray flew across the room at him hit and hit the wall. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So... That says I don't know. Is that not? Yeah, he's nasty because that's an that's an. It's, it's a hostile act. That is hostile. To chuck something, okay. It might not have hit him, but 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 it shows energy and it shows strength. Strength, and that's the thing. The energies in here are so strong. Yeah. They're strong, and there's more than one. Yeah. Um. There's also as well uh, a man called Michael Becker, and he handles events at the comedy store. And he claims that he has witnessed a ghostly figure in a 40s suit walk past him while he was on the phone. And he believes that it's the ghost of a murder victim killed by mobsters during that time period. So he's yeah. just on the phone and then some fellas in a 40s suit just strolled past. Well, I'd probably think the same as well, to be fair. I'd be like, oh, fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, we're back to Blake as well, our comedian slash security guard. Yeah. Uh, one night, a metal gate that had a fire extinguisher behind it would continually open and close for no apparent reason. Um, they both, as well, claimed to have seen a strange dark mist appear in the basement, and they they feel that there's a, a bad presence bad, down there. Yeah. yeah. Well, there but would have been, especially unusual, with uh, horrific stuff happening in the basement. It's a perfect opportunity for negatives and demonic um, entities to, to get in, isn't it, and dwell in that place? Because of course, that, that that's their feeding ground. They love that. Um. <laughs> So that's not. So these are some of the other spirits that reside here. So we have the entity of Steve Lebetkin, and that is a comedian who um, committed suicide, unfortunately. I've so, heard of. I've heard of this. Yeah. Guy. So he, but he's known to be quite a playful spirit, a yes, nice spirit. Yeah. So he is known to enjoy watching new comedians perform on stage. Yeah. Um. I think that he he went there in hopes of renewing his career and yeah. making something himself and it, it just didn't take off it just didn't work yeah. it just didn't work and you know he couldn't he couldn't cope with that so decided that like our beautiful lady from the hollywood hills who flung herself from the top of the h again a similar story and this um, and that's and maybe that's why hollywood is so haunted because you people go there with such dream and ambition yeah, such intent you know such energy yeah. and such and it's desperate need and longing to, 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 to be. And it's 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 full of huge emotion because yeah. you either make it and that's fantastic and that's great. And it's probably the greatest moment of your life. You know, you've you finally got that golden moment, you're the leading yeah. lady of this next film. Or you've been working Don't. you've been working solid for or not even working solid, you've been trying for years and years and years and it just isn't working for you and it's the absolute despair. But if it's all you ever want in life you you know in in some kind of way in a weird way you can kind of empathize with the fact that you know because people like that with that intent can't say okay well listen i'll, I'll go and do another job this would be their life and if it doesn't work for them they'll think okay i'm bailing because this is all i want to do and if i can't do it then i need to leave yeah um but young steve is known to be quite playful yeah he plays his pranks you know he's quite fun loving I think the staff there don't feel threatened by this entity yeah. and feel that he's quite, yeah, you know, he's quite a nice good, energy. a nice yeah. energy. Yeah. Um, but he's not the only spirit that frequents the comedy store. Um, people have said that there is at least five other spirits that hang around. Um, but they say that they're most active when the place is quiet and especially mm. in the early hours of the morning, which again isn't overly unusual. That, my argument to that is 
They're probably active all the time, but they're noticed. Notice. Well, it's quiet. Because when the place is busy and buzzing, you, ain't, you, you miss ain't gonna, You ain't going to see it. But when it's quiet and locked up, you notice it more. Yeah, I would say so. And yeah. again, in, in your own home, when you yeah. go to bed and you turn all the lights off and the radio goes off and the telly goes off and all the lights are off and there ain't no... And the kids And there's no cars and, outside yeah. and that and it, it's, it's silent. You're more conscious and aware of your surroundings and what's going on. So if there is a slight noise, you are going to hear it. If something has moved, you are going to notice it. Yeah. Because during your day-to-day -day life, like during the day, if I put my wallet down in the kitchen side and it moved to the front room table, I wouldn't even notice. No, because you think, oh, I just must have put it there. And but if, it, in, yeah. if I go to bed and put it on the kitchen side yeah. and I wake up and it's on the front room table, but I know. Really? Yeah, there's an if there. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Because I think, no, because that's, that's part of my routine. That's yeah. where I put it. That's what I do. So I, I think I think it is just more noticeable. Mm during that time there's also a woman's voice that can be heard in the showrooms um, her moans and cries are heard in the basement areas as well she seems to enjoy being in the showrooms and yeah. i would say that leads to believe that maybe that's where she you know maybe she was a showgirl showgirl and, and, then that, and that's had, where she had yeah. her good times but then in the basement is where she had the illegal abortion and it went wrong yeah. possibly yeah um but yeah so again people when she's in the the showrooms and dressing rooms and stuff people see her as a, a positive thing and it's almost like she's watching the new talent on stage and um but she you know they feel that she relives her pain and distress and dying moments in in that basement mm. so that's an interesting that's a opens a question there as well so she obviously had an amazing time yeah but also devastating times is a spirit able to distinguish between the two or is it just two different versions of her? You, 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 you touch a subject where we need to go into deeper. First of all, I say something like that is probably not, I mean, is it residual energy where it's just replaying itself? It possibly could be. It also possibly could be that her soul didn't leave that location and is still currently an active there. I mean, but then if she's if she's active there in an intelligent spirit, you would choose not to go to the basement. But we're only going off basic reports. There's nothing to say that the woman downstairs is is the is, is, is the, the same, same as woman. Her. Yeah. I mean, where's the evidence? It's the same the same woman. We no, don't know. They that. they they just have... don't forget that there there will be layers of 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 twenty, fifty, hundred ghosts there. So yeah. we can't always connect them together. Another spirit that is known in the location um, is that of a World War Two airman. Mm. So one afternoon, Blake, who is the yeah. uh, fellow from before, was playing um, a game in, in the room near the kitchen and he felt a presence watching him. About three foot behind him, looking out the corner of his eye, he saw a man dressing World War Two brown leather bomber jacket. He turned to say something to him but he could see right through this fella yeah. and he just faded before his eyes. But the same afternoon, the same man in the brown leather jacket appeared in the third floor office in front of an assistant called Debbie, um, but he was crouching in a corner, terrified, and again, faded away before her eyes. Um, again, they believe that maybe he was killed in the office or, you know, something, he got himself in trouble and that's just so a that, replaying. So that would again be residual energy stone tape theory where those moments in time crouching terrified or walking that would say to me two completely different situations a bit like the last one where it was time replaying itself and it's the same day so maybe that's the day that it happened it happened and it was strongest and yeah. that will replay itself throughout time yeah there's uh, another quite famous um entity maybe and that is because they have an unpaid floor security manager, but that's because he's a spirit. Um, staff members often see a man that they call Gus, and he stands at the back of the performance room dressed in his all of his black suit and fedora on, and he just eyes the crowd and he watches over the staff. So he just he just appears from time to time, and he'll be yeah, there. Yeah, just checking in. Just checking in, just doing his job, making sure everyone's behaving. Yeah. Uh, but he's quite a... He's a a, a reoccurring yeah. entity there and comes quite often yeah. is the feeling I get. 
uh, another kind of, uh, I don't want to say famous kind of incident from there, but it's quite well known. Um, so there are three men dressed in 1940s style suits that appear in solid form uh, in the back when something interesting happens in the showrooms. Right. So they appear when oh, there's a bit of drama. Um, and now, like, people see them because like, it's all, all kicking off when they're just there. Some sort of type of mafia security, some yeah, sort of henchmen. Yeah, people, people don't really know, but they've been spotted a few times. Yeah, that's interesting. And there's three, and it's always with drama. So, yeah, that would say some type of mafia henchman or, or um, you know, standing, you know, that, that were existed in, in a human form to, to, to oversee yeah. that type of thing, yeah. Uh, but obviously, so I would say the upstairs maybe is quite... Not fun loving, but it's quite light. Mm. You know, they they it's people are there with good intent and some of the spirits are quite playful. Mm. The basement, however, which people feel is maybe the heart of the building, is very, very dark and a stark kind of yeah, difference. And negative, yeah. Um which is, which again is classic. But you know, listen, there's been pain and suffering and death that's happened in there. Uh, screams, moans and cries are heard coming regularly from the basement area. And we know for negative entities, for demonic entities, a, a place like that is like a moth to a flame. Yep. You know, they would just inhabit that place and stay. Uh, so we go back to our favourite doorman and comedian, Blake. Uh, and he talks about this. So he said that one morning at about 3am, again, Blake and another member of staff heard a low guttural growl coming from the basement. Blake and another member of staff bravely went down to investigate. The padlocked gate in front of the basement was bending out like something was pushing, trying to get out. Mm. The gate suddenly snapped back into place, but before their eyes they saw a huge seven-foot black form yeah. standing in front of the gate. The menacing entity um, that they said radiated evil and malevolence. Yeah, again, classic, um, yeah. They, did, they didn't stick around for that and flew up and went up the stairs. But Blake and Gaynor went back down to investigate to see if it was still there and it was still there. You see, when we often go back and talk about these things, we know that security guards often, most often, are ex-military, they're ex-police. They're normally tough guys because when you're a security man, you can't be shy and you can't be scared. And what we often find is... When security people tell us, or police, or army tell us, I was terrified, you know they're telling the truth, because they, they spent years and years um, being the toughest people on the planet. And it's a really good show. Is it Paranormal 911? Oh my God, it's amazing. That's really good. And it's the same kind of... It, it's, and it's, so it's all professional, whether it's um, paramedics, or police, or security firemen, or firemen. things yeah. like that. And it, and it really is the most mentally tough people on our planet that have seen it all they've seen it all they've been through the wars they've held their comrades when they were dying and you know seen it all and yet they go on to tell these stories way after the wars and they say you and know, they're very reasonable logical people yeah. they're not they're Especially not random the medics they're saying look we know they died we know we took the pulse we understand it we know it we're trying to life to do it and then we saw them standing there by their body now you know we you know, we can go on and on about it. You know, we're not drinking. You know, they're not drinking because they're paramedics. They And I saw it. And we saw it for, for 10, 15 minutes. And two other paramedics saw it. You know, it's just like crazy. You know, it just goes to prove, Freddie, all the time that this stuff exists. Yeah. And when the best of the human race are saying this stuff, the most trained of the human race are saying this, listen, you've got to believe it. You'd be fool not to. Um, yeah, so obviously Blake and Gaynor went back down there and this big black mass was still there uh had no face was just spirit person if you like a uh, shadow person i should say and it it whizzed straight past them and again they thought no i'm not doing this i'm not doing this uh, and ran it's got to the point now that blake refused to go down into the basement anymore and that happened because he went down there and a piece of black cardboard fell from nothing out of nowhere mm. just fell um, and it hit him, and they, he looked at it, and it had his name scratched on it, yeah. on this piece of cardboard. Well, listen, I wouldn't go down there anymore either. 
Mm. If I'm honest. Because one, you can't fight it. Two, you can't explain it. And three, there's nobody else in the building. Four, there's cameras anyway. Five, the alarms won't set off. You know, these people know their stuff. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing those jobs. You don't employ security guards and people like that as a load of junkies or a load of alkies that can miss stuff, you know, or just, you know, deranged people. These guys know their stuff. So because of how active this place is, in 1982, Dr. Taff and his UCLA parapsychology team went to investigate the location right, okay. because of how active it was. Um, whilst they were there, they had two coins fall from the ceiling. Uh, when they got into the basement, Dr. Taft um, was overcome by agonizing, agonizing pain in his legs. Um, Feeling some type of yeah. energy from something that happened to somebody else's legs. Yeah. So he's gone, they've gone, a parapsychology team, and they've said that it's paranormal. So Dr. Taft went back in 1994 and they filmed a TV series called Haunted Hollywood, which is obviously the name of this episode. Um, whilst they were filming, Dr. Taft went along for it and he, in the back room, saw three men all dressed in 1940s style suits um, with their like wild lapels and, and whatever else. And after the filming, everyone packed up and left and Taft was the last one to leave. Taft come up um, to acknowledge them because they were still there um, and they just disappeared. And yeah. this is this is a he is Doctor Taft of the parapsychology team. Yeah. And he's this is this is fact for him. That's happened. I just want to go back to what we were talking about about security guards and tough people. I'm going to go back to a story about the cage when it first really people started to investigate. Um, I remember being downstairs and it was one of the first groups that really came in there, and there was a big guy. I mean, I didn't really notice him initially, but I, I knew he was big, he was muscly. Anyway, he went upstairs. I was downstairs somewhere. And as everyone knows, I never stayed long in the place, but I, I was there that night for a little while. And there was a massive crash upstairs, and, and, and this, there was all sorts of dramas. And this fella came down to me really quite aggressively, hostile, and was saying to me, look at my arms, look at my arms. He pulled his sleeves up. And... This was off the bat, he was saying this to me. He didn't give me any backstory. He said, look at my arms, look at my arms. He said, look how many times I've been stabbed. And I'm like, right, well, really? You know, what are you trying to, you know, what, what's the agenda here? And I instantly, because he was hostile to me, I instantly remember thinking, well, hold on, you're putting me in the, you know. And he said, look at me, look at me. And he said, I'm a doorman. I've been a doorman. I mean, he was a big fella, to be fair. I've been a doorman 20 odd years. Look at my, put, put his chest at you. Right, okay, I see you stab my, okay, okay, I see, I get it. And he said, upstairs in that bedroom, I was pushed so hard on my chest, and he did the movement to me, two strong hands on both of his, like, male boobs, shoved him so hard, he said, he, he said he flew back into the wardrobe. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I don't really know what to say. And he said to me, and his point was, look at me, I can fight people, I've been stabbed, I'm not a scared person, that's happened to me. And he was really angry and he was really pissed off. He said, I'm leaving. He said, I, I don't get this, this is my words, I don't get it, I don't understand it. But I physically have been, and it was like he was almost embarrassed because he was showing me, listen, I, I'm a tough guy, but what is up there can attack me like that, I'm out. He, he left the place. He still left angry and shocked. So I get it, I get it. And especially with tough men, you know, men that are, are used to dealing with fights and used to dealing with tricky people. And when something like that happens, like we're talking about our fella here, um, you know, where do they get, where, where does that leave them? You, you can't you can't, fight you, it. You, you can't, can't throw them out. You can't, you can't yeah, punch them. You, you can't. And I think that's a lot of people's fear deep down. And I think that's why a lot of people don't accept yeah, because then you'd have to accept that there's something in this world that you can't back. You can't with. see, you can't touch. Some people can see it, but you can't touch it, you can't fight it. And, and the only way you can fight it is by going up to Father God, Jesus, Archangel. And that's, and that's against all of their. All against they, their principles. Yeah, because they think, oh, listen, if anyone invaded my space, my home, my palace. I'll bury them. I'll bury them. They'd be out their door with their head on the wrong way around. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, but. 
if they're if they're in that situation, they can't. People like that, it's against their nature. Well, because to accept be, yeah, it. because they're being threatened in their home or in a space or an environment and they can't protect themselves. So yeah, their reaction is And they are all alpha men or alpha females. All of them are. When you do that type of job, whether you work nights in security or you're a bouncer or anything like that at all, you're an alpha human. That's why you think you, you can take on, you know, they go in their torch, there's two intruders. Well, they're, they're going to take them on because there's only one of them. They're alpha people. And when something like this happens, and, and we see it and we talk about it countless, countless times, I've had experience of it myself. When these people say they're scared, because it takes a lot for them to admit they're scared, because listen, that, you know, oh, you know it. Oh, well, I took on six men. It's probably only two. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Right. But I, I think it, it, it does, it, it lends a long way. And it's like, I've got a lot of female friends, believe it or not. And all their dads are all like proper Essex geezers, yeah. you know, big, big tough fellas. You know, they, they, they're labourers and do whatever. They run a fucking building company. You know, they're tough they're men. alpha men. Alpha men. And they've had experiences and they can't explain it. And like, but they don't want. They don't have a barbie. Go, you will this happen. You won't. You won't ever believe it. But X Y Z happened to me. Ah, oh, but I, oh, I'm not having it. I'm not having that. Yeah, uh, yeah. They won't accept because then that's accepting that there's something greater than them. Mm. Something bigger than but them. In they their can't brain fight somewhere because because that they, they recall it back and think no. And don't forget, for the most part, the people that do these jobs, they're not pissed. They're not. You know, no. they haven't had a, a a joint before they go in there. They're actually, in the nature of their job, they are sorted. They can't be drunk because they they're, they're, be. de they're dealing with drunk people. They can't yeah. then have a drink as well. So there's there's no position where you can say, well, he'd, he'd had a few beers. Or, it, you know, you, you can't say you that. You really have to stand up and listen when you have them kind of people. Yeah. You know. Because for a lot of times it's embarrassing for them. And in the end they have to tell their story because it drives them mad in their brain. Because that, because they don't get it and they don't understand they need to try it. And, yeah, yeah. But I promise you, all the time, you can you can ask so many people, have you ever had a paranormal experience? They'll go, no, but I had this really. There's always a but. Yeah. There's always an if. There's always well. Yeah. And but something happened one day. I'm sure it was a trick. They're like, I'm sure I just yeah, yeah yeah. Or if it ain't them, it's oh yeah my dad. Yeah. Oh yeah my nan. Oh. At my nan's house, at my mum's house, uh, when I was a kid, like this. Yeah, there's always something, there's, isn't there? There's always something. Yeah. And you're right. If you would ask three people, just get three random people from, from off the street and you'd question them, you're right, I bet you that that would be the case. And I bet you all the three of them have had paranormal experiences, but some of them might not have ever recognised. Yeah, I think, oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. I'm a firm believer that everyone has experienced something paranormal yeah but maybe have not always been in a position to acknowledge it yeah or have like you not... say oh i'm sure i put it there oh i must have done oh it was a trick of the light oh it was the wind oh oh it's yeah. just my eyes oh yeah you, you, it's, 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 it's... yeah I, agree, I, yeah. I, I think every single person on this planet has experienced something paranormal because every single person has dead loved ones that, that come back and try to communicate in some way or is in a building or in a place um where, you know, they can experience stuff. Right, next subject. Well, listen, I think we'll end Haunted Hollywood part two here. Yeah. And I think we'll do a mini release because this would make it quite long otherwise. So we'll yeah. do a mini release a little bit later on. So this is Haunted Hollywood part two, the comedy store. Um, we hope you've enjoyed it. As always, you can donate or contact us directly through the Haunted Podcast official at gmail.com. You can follow us on our social media at um, Instagram is the Haunted Podcast official. Twitter is the Haunted Pcast. Facebook is the Haunted Podcast official. And TikTok is the Haunted Podcast. Um, be good, be safe, be honest. We will be back a little bit later on this week at some point. Well, no, not this week. Next week um we've part three right okay also we we need to talk about something else oh go quick um it has been our year's anniversary uh, yes it's our year anniversary. we've been going for a year so listen all our ogs out there all of our original fans those that listen from day one we salute you well done for putting up for us for a year 
Congratulations. And all those new coming to listen to us, you've got a year's worth of material to be catching up with. Yeah. Get yourself going to the beginning. There's some fucking fantastic um, episodes and, and um, places that we've covered. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Happy also, birthday to us. Let's also just mention that we are, in the near future, we will be releasing some out of time podcasts which will be subscribed that's a discussion we're having so you get a lot more information um it, it's something we're talking about and it's something we're going to do so yeah. watch out for that, that as well watch out for that because um we've got a patreon set up but we're just uh in talks of the material that's going to be released so there's lots of good times are coming lots of things are going on behind the scenes i'd love to be able to tell you everything but we can't right now just trust and believe um, that it's all going to be fantastic so be good be safe be honest we hope you've enjoyed this week um, we've got another little special something coming out for you because it's bank holiday here in the uk so that's what we're doing it for um we'll talk to you all soon Bye. Bye.